0: Okay, this is Acts chapter 2. We've been working through the last uh, few verses of Acts chapter 2 over the summer. Uh, And this is our last week this week looking at these verses. So we're going to read them together. Actually, you don't need to read them together. I'll read them and you can just read them uh, in your Bibles or wherever you're reading them from. It says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. and generous hearts, praising God and having favor of all the people, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved, and that's the little bit we're gonna look at this morning, just the second half of verse 47, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Let me pray. Jesus, we thank you so much for your church Uh, The people of God, as it says in Revelation, your bride, the bride of Christ, your chosen people that you've called out to know and to love. Jesus, we thank you, you're the head of the church, that we're your body, and you've called us into this intimate, special relationship with you, together, not just on our own, but together as a community, as a people through whom you're going to work out your blessing to the nations. And uh, we pray, God, that you would give us a big vision in our hearts of your plans for our lives, for this church, for this city. Jesus, as we've been singing, we, we want, first of all, you to be our vision. We want the, the things that are on your heart to be the things that are on our hearts, the things that you're passionate about. We want the things uh, to be the things that drive us and motivate us is setting our sights on you and your purposes and committing our lives to follow your plans. And all of that is only possible through the work of the Holy Spirit. So we invite you, Holy Spirit, to come into our hearts right now to speak to us and guide us through your words. Amen. Amen. What I wanted to do today is we're finishing off this little series in Acts and then over the next three Sundays to follow, we're gonna spend a few weeks talking a little bit about us as a a church, and our mission, our vision here, what we feel God's called us to do in this city, the things that God's laid on our heart, the sort of community that we're trying to build here. Uh, And we're gonna use this week to kind of sort of transition between the two, to kind of lead from one into the other. Uh, And what I wanted to do today to start off with to tell a little bit of our story uh, of a church is how we got here, because people ask me all the time, you know, do, do you own this building? <laughs> how did you end up here? What's, what, what's the story of this church? So, I thought it might be helpful. Some of you are going to know this already, so, you know, tough luck. And others of you, this, this might be the first time you've heard it. So, I thought we could spend a little bit of time just talking about that this morning, and then we'll move on and look at this verse together. Um, so, we've been here in the city since, well, me and Joe and our four daughters. Uh, we moved here in July 2014, the hottest day of the year. We got in our car and drove from uh, England all the way through, and this is, this is pre-Brexit, so we didn't need a passport. You just sort of turn up and away you go. Times have changed somewhat since then. Uh, and we set up life here in the city, um, and we gathered a small, team uh, together with us. So Michiel and Geri, do you want to stand up? Lena and Maria. Um, where's Brent? I've seen Brent somewhere. There's Brent at the back. Um, so these guys were with us right from the very start. So if you want to know anything about the church, then these guys, they'll tell you the honest truth because they've seen the good and the bad. Uh, also, Simon and Lottie, who are away, they're on holiday, were with us from, from the beginning as well. And a few other couples that were with us for a season of now moved on, and when we first started, uh, our goal was quite simple, you know, when you move to a new country, which I know some of you here have done to move here, or maybe in the past you've gone elsewhere, the first thing you need to do is, is, is just to learn, right? Uh, you need to have a kind of a humble attitude in your heart, and not come with all the answers and all the plans, but to learn, you know, what, what will it take to start a church in a city like this, because that's what we moved to do. We moved with a deliberate purpose. To move, we moved here to start this, to start this church. So first of all, we were just trying to learn. We were trying to settle our families into schools and learn life and learn how life would work for us now. Uh, and as well, we we wanted to we wanted to pray a lot and uh, and see where God God would lead us, what He had for us, and. And part of our, our learning was I met with lots of different um, church leaders and people who've been involved in, in, uh, in, in reaching this city over many years. And the story I got back from a few of them was along the lines of that church planting, starting new churches doesn't really work anymore, that that wasn't really a very good idea. Uh, one well, church leader told me that Amsterdam was the graveyard of church plants, which is not what you wanna hear when you've just arrived to start something new. Um, but that was kind of the, the vibe I was getting from people. And they weren't trying to be harsh or mean. They were just reflecting the nature of the city that we, that we live in, that uh, the congregation that met here in this building moved out and were closed down 41 years ago in 1977. Uh, and that's true of the church all across this city, that over the last 40 to 50 years, people just don't go to church anymore. Whereas once it was part of their life, maybe they did it just because their grandparents had done it and their parents had done it, all of a sudden people stopped coming to church. We live in a in a secular society, a society that's decided that, God is just this kind of mythical being from the past. We don't need that in our lives anymore. So the congregation here closed down. And as you'll know from living in this city, that only maybe one or two percent of people, for a very small number, would actually attend church. Most people you probably speak to don't really know much about church or religion. And we discovered when we turned up that people would say things to us. You know, they would ask us, even now, people ask us, you know, why, why are you here? What's an Englishman doing in, in Amsterdam? And we'd say, oh, we, we moved here to start a church. And people would say, what? <laughs> what, what, what people don't start churches anymore. People close churches. What, 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 are, you, what are you doing? One mum we told from the kids' school, a lady we met, she asked me what I did and I explained and she didn't believe me. She was like, no, no, that's not true. And I said, like, no, serious. And she said, no, you're, you're winding me up. This is a joke. I said, no, this is, this is why we're... This is why we're here. Um, and this story that church planting was hard and didn't really work, we, we found that to be very true. That it wasn't we suddenly turn up and switched on a tap and then, way, what a party. Life is brilliant. All these people are uh, wanting to come to know Jesus and wanting to come to our church. That's not, that's not really how it worked. We went through lots of struggles and difficulties and we were trying to build this team and gather people. Uh, and we, we were growing but slowly, a bit like a snail um, in first gear, kind of going up a hill backwards. That was kind of, <laughs> that was sort of the progress of the church, right? It just, you know, maybe, maybe four people would, would arrive and three and a half people would leave. That was kind of how things, things were going for us. And this went on for about, for about 18 months, just slow progress, hard work. Um, lots of disappointment, lots of struggles, lots of us wondering, what on on earth are we doing? Joe and I thought that all the time, like, why have we moved here? You know, we we took our life in England, and we we, we kind of flushed it down the toilet, really. (laughs) We burnt all our bridges. We said, we're going to move here. That's that's our old life now. This is our new life. And then all of a sudden you think, goodness, this this is quite... This is quite hard. You know, our kids were finding school a struggle. We were finding life a struggle. The church plant was, was barely a church plant. It was like, you know, the seed that you put in the ground that you, you, you just look at the mud for ages and think sooner or later, there's something's gonna grow here. And that's what it was like for us. And then we, we took a, a decision as a, as a community. We'd been meeting in our apartment in Vatakrasmir, um, maybe about, 12 to 15 adults and about 10 or 12 kids. Uh, And we decided that our neighbors had probably had enough of us because we made a lot of noise, lots of kids running around on a Sunday morning. So we rented a a venue, we moved into a venue uh, over on the the, uh, east of the, the city, the Mirror Center. Some of you will have been with us when we met there. And we started meeting there. And our first Sunday, it was pretty much the same, about 12 to 15 adults and about 12 kids. But suddenly, in a big room, kind of rattling around, thinking, "What on earth? What on earth are we doing?" Um, and then we, we, we—about that time in this is October 2015—we we uh, um, we we'd sold our car uh, after we'd driven over. A week later, we sold it, and we brought a, a backfeet—you know, the big kind of cargo bike things—and that's that's how we do life. That's how we get around. That's that's our that's our truck, our van. How we do the shopping. How we get the kids to school. Uh, And in October 2015, someone stole our backfeets from outside of our house. And foolishly, we hadn't insured our bike. Now, if you're new to the city, buy a bike, get it insured. Okay, that's my top two tips. It's quite important. So we didn't have it insured, and these bikes are quite expensive. The only way we've been able to buy it is we sold our our car, and we brought brought the backfeets. So we didn't have any money to replace it, and, you know, we the insurance company didn't want to give us any money because you know, they didn't know who we were. You know, it's like, can you give us the money? Who are you? <laughs> we don't know you. So you know, we, we, we were, we we're in a bit of a, a sticky situation. So, so we prayed and we, we said, God, you're either gonna have to return our, our bike um, or you need to give us the money to buy a new one because we, we can't afford either thing. Um, and we prayed uh, and we kept on praying and, um, and nothing really happened, but we kept on praying. And, and for five months, we kept on praying, and, and nothing really happened. And we got into, the, into the, the, the new year, so this would have been at the start of 2016. And there were lots of things that we were, we were praying about as a family and as a community that didn't really seem to be, to be happening you know, our church wasn't growing. If anything, it was getting smaller. I remember one Sunday when, after the kids and the kids' workers had gone to their room, there was me on the stage and seven people. And I thought, you know, my family is almost as big as this, right? This is not going well. So, what we did is, um, is we, we had a, a midweek group that met at our house. And we cancelled that, and we said, look, we're just going to meet together every Wednesday, and we're just going to pray. That's all we're going to do. We're just going to pray until something happens. Uh, and you could call that faith, or you could call it desperation. I don't know. You know, sometimes those things are a mixture together. So that's what we did. We just, we just prayed uh, week after week, and we just prayed. And we thought, we're just going to keep doing this until something happens. We don't know what. don't know what we're praying for. We're just going to pray. Uh, and God led us to begin to pray that that." That he would add uh, people to us, uh, as it says in in the New Testament, laborers for the harvest field. Uh, Jesus says to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful. Pray, not for the harvest, but pray for laborers, people, workers to come and help. So that's what we we prayed for. Um, But to be honest, I wasn't feeling a tremendous surge of faith or enthusiasm or energy. I was just kind of worn out and uh, was thinking, goodness, what on, what on earth is happening here? What are, what are we doing? And then uh, in, in February 2016, uh, actually, I, I know the date because I wrote it in my, in my journal, which I write in From Time to time. normally when I'm in a bad mood. Um, so don't ever read it because it's quite bleak. <laughs> so <laughs> as this will explain how bleak it is. So this was on the 28th of February 2016, and I wrote, I feel so blunted and so inadequate, so little I've done seems to have worked, so little of my prayers seem to have been answered. It's a kind of dark place to be in. Uh, and, and, and this prayer we've been praying for, the return of our bike, had kind of, sometimes, I don't know if you know this, but or had this experience where certain things, essentially they're quite little things, you know, it's just a bike, but it be, kind of becomes symbolic in my heart for all the things I was praying for that hadn't been answered. And this was like the one thing that was like, ah, it kind of represented in my heart all the things that I was frustrated about and disappointed with. So because I was feeling rather in a bad mood, I I turned to the book of Habakkuk, which is a good place to go if you're in a bad mood because Habakkuk is one grumpy guy. So uh, turn to verse 2 of Habakkuk chapter one, and Habakkuk says, oh Lord, how long shall I cry for help and you will not hear? You see, he was, I was like, yes, I'm with you, brother. (laughs) And then in verse five, God responds to to Habakkuk. He says, look among the nations and see, wonder and be astounded, for I'm doing a work in your days that you would not believe if I told you. Um, and that that was that. And I, I wrote it down in my in my journal. I think it was a Sunday morning we went to church, we did church. And then the, the next day, or or the Tuesday, I think it was, two days later on on the Monday, we, we got a phone call from the police, which I thought, oh no, what have the kids done now. But it wasn't <laughs> a phone call from the from the police. And they said they said, We found your we found your bike. I was like, what? Because 50,000 bikes are stolen in Amsterdam every year. Um, we've had a couple stolen, as well as the backfeeds. Um, and I, th- I think 50,000 are stolen, and they find about 70, right, Seven zero, which is 0.000-something percent, you know. Basically, the police don't look for bikes. You call the police and say, someone's stolen my bike, and they go, oh, really? Okay, <laughs> we'll put it in the book, you know. Uh, and of backfeets. This cargo bike, because they're quite valuable and expensive, they don't really find them because um, the criminals want to make some money out of it. They just don't find them. So the fact that the police found our bike was was kind of a miracle, really. Um, so I, I went along to this police station to pick up my bike, and uh, you know that you know those scenes in in the film where uh, uh, someone's died and you have to go into the morgue to identify the dead body, right? It was a bit like that, honestly. I I walked into this little room right at the back of this police station and the bike is kind of under this cover and the policeman goes, is is this your bike? And I was wiping away the tears. Yeah, it's my bike. (laughs) And and so I got on my bike and I rode home and the tires were completely flat, but I didn't care. I was high-fiving all these kids, yeah. It was glorious. And, you know, it, it's, it was such a silly thing. It was, it was just a bike. But somehow God just answered our prayers. And all this became this weird turning point where all of a sudden, literally the next Sunday, people, people started coming to our church. We thought, where have you guys come from? And it was like God just flicked something. Some, something just changed. And it, it wasn't anything that we'd done. I mean, it It wasn't, you know, I I lost a bike, and then I prayed, and it wasn't good praying. It was I was praying for thunderbolts to hit criminals. It was that kind of praying, right? (laughs) And yet, somehow God, God worked. And you know, I could I could tell you more of the story of how we ended up here, um, but I think that's probably the the bit I wanted to share with you today. And we moved out of the mirror center in. Uh, January last year, 2017, and moved in here, and uh, we're so grateful for what God's been doing amongst our community. And I guess what, why I'm telling you this story, is because um, we'll get to Acts 2:47. There is a link, don't worry, in a moment or two. But because what I want you to know is that this is what Jesus does, right? He, he, he that's what he's doing in the earth today, is he's building his church. And that's what we need to, th- to know as people who are part of his church, that he builds his church, not us. And, and he uses us for sure, but he's the one that we trust in. He's the one that, that, that does the work, really. And this is wonderful verse right at the very start of Acts chapter 1, verse 1. And he says, in this first book, Ophelophilus, so he's, uh, the writer of Acts says, written also the book of Luke, because that was his name, he wrote the Gospel of Luke, which tells the first part of Jesus' ministry right up until his death and resurrection. And then Acts 2 is the sequel, this is kind of part two of the movie. And then he goes on to say, "I, I have, in the first book I dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. What Jesus began to do. If you read that at the start of a you know, a Harry Potter book or a Jason Bourne novel or something like that. Um, you would think, you know, if, if Jason Bourne, the first book was about what he began to do, you'd think, well, this second book is what about he's going to continue to do. And that's what the Book of Acts is. It's the sequel, but it's what Jesus continues to do. Because you get this verse a bit later in verse uh, in verse one, verses eight to nine, where it says. Jesus is talking to his disciples and he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when he said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. So Jesus ascended to heaven and you could think, oh, well, that's, that's Jesus' job done, right? Death, resurrection, ascension, Jesus is gone now. It's up to us and the Holy Spirit's with us but it's kind of up to us. That's not what the story of Acts is at all. We'd be completely misunderstanding it if if we believed that because the book is called The the Acts of the Apostles as it says here in my Bible but it's not actually the best name of it. I guess you could also call it The Acts of the Church. It's what the, the apostles did not just themselves but with the church, the people of God Uh, Or some people would say the best way to describe it would be the acts of the Holy Spirit. Because in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost, Jesus sends the Holy Spirit, the power of God with us. But that also isn't the best way to describe it. You could even say it's perhaps the best way would be the acts of the risen Lord Jesus. This is what Jesus is doing now. Or this... Uh, An author called Alan Thompson, he said this. He said, the best, it's a bit long, so probably why they don't call it this. He said, you could call it the acts of the Lord Jesus through his people by the Holy Spirit for the accomplishment of God's purposes. That genuinely is the best way to describe the book. Because this story of Liberty Church here, it it isn't my story, but partly it is. Or, Or for me and Joe and our family, you know, Pali is our story, and for the team that were with us, and for all of you guys, it's our story, but all of it is actually Jesus' story, and he's using us, empowered by the Holy Spirit, to achieve his purposes. That's the story of the church. See, in, in Acts chapter one and two, the emphasis is not on the fact that Jesus has gone, it's the emphasis is on where Jesus has gone to. It's not the fact that Jesus has just disappeared. The emphasis is that Jesus has now risen and he's ruling on his throne. It says in Acts 2 verses 33 to 36, He says, being therefore exalted at the right hand of God. <laughs> Acts 2 puts Jesus in his place as the ruler now, as our king who's at work as much as he's ever been at work. He's still at work today to achieve his accomplishments, to his purposes, to do what he wants to do. It's not just he's left it up to us. Jesus is is at work now. The risen Lord Jesus is ruling and directing the affairs in his new kingdom. So Acts chapter two is about this risen Lord Jesus is ushering in this new kingdom and he's called out this new people, his new community, to work out his plans, his purposes. Which brings us on to Acts 2 verse 47 where it says as we read earlier and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved you see it's the Lord that means Jesus (laughs) Jesus is adding to their number Jesus is growing the church one by one Jesus is adding people in it's not up to us We're not solely responsible. He sent us to do his work, but Jesus adds people. Jesus builds churches. Jesus grows churches. And that means we've got to be careful, because sometimes, maybe for the season we're in now, for some of you, it can be, sometimes we can despise growth. Because we think, oh, I like the church when it was just kind of small and cozy. When we all knew each other. You know, when we all just got to hang out together, and now there's so many people, I don't know who's coming and going, I don't know what, where, ah, oh, it's too much. But the fact is, it's Jesus is adding people. He's, he's building his church. And sometimes people will say things like, oh, the, the church is it's supposed to be small. It, it's supposed to be this kind of little remnant kind of tucked away in the corner. But actually, that's not Jesus' plan at all. Because if you read the book of Acts, The church just explodes all across, well, first of all, Jerusalem, and then it just spreads out all around the Mediterranean, into Asia, across to Italy, all around. Just in in 30 years, that's basically the length of the book of Acts, is about 30 years, and God does this wonderful thing. And we've got to sometimes think, well, maybe in the next 30 years, what does God want to do in this city what does God wanna do through us, his people here, and the other places he might, he might, he might send us to? And we mustn't despise that or, 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 or think that's a bad thing, because that's the story of the Book of Acts, this kind of this gospel-fueled, spirit-empowered people movement that spreads all over the world eventually. And you could, maybe, you might come in here, and, and maybe you've only been here for a few weeks, and you look in and you think, wow, this, this church is great. A mission accomplished, job done. Well, as you'll notice in this verse, it says, the Lord added to the number, day by day, those who are being saved. <laughs> Not just lots of believers that are kind of ushered in from all over the place, but people who are coming to know Jesus for the first time. And that, that's what we want to see happen here. So we don't feel any sense of mission accomplished, job done. We kind of feel like, okay, maybe we're, we're at the end of the introduction of the book. Let's get into chapter one now of God, what God wants to do at the Liberty Church. What's he gonna do next? Who's he gonna add to us? How's God gonna grow this, this, this family? And it doesn't mean we shouldn't celebrate all that God's done and so many beautiful stories in this community of how God's been at work in people's lives but we must make sure we, we don't miss here that Jesus has sent us here for, for a purpose, to make his name famous in this city, for people who don't know him to come to know him. That's why we're here. And the wonderful thing is, is that that's up to him. That's what he does, right? I can't save anybody. I've tried and it doesn't work. Jesus saves, right? But also it means he's, he's still given us a mandate, a a job to do, a a purpose, something to live out, something to work out together as his family, his community. It says in in Acts 18, near the end of the book, where where God comes to to Paul in, in a vision one night. It says, and the Lord said to Paul one night in a vision, do not be afraid, but go on speaking, and do not be silent, for I am with you, no one will attack you to harm you, for I have many in this city who are my people. And that's true of us today in Amsterdam, God's got many people in this city. We can believe that with faith, that he's got many people that he's already got his hand on. Maybe, maybe, that's, maybe that's you, you're here today and you're not a believer in Jesus, but for some reason you've ended up here this morning and it's because God's got his hand on, on your life. He wants to speak to you. He's calling you to him. But as well for us, the same as he says to Paul, that even though we can trust that he has many people in this city, we can still say that, that we shouldn't be afraid and that we should go on speaking. Jesus has given us a message, he gives us boldness and, and courage. And there's gonna be times for us where there might be times for you where you know, with your people you work with or your neighbors or your family in this city that don't know Jesus, that it it can be very easy to feel afraid to not wanna speak and proclaim and tell the story of what God's done in your life. It doesn't mean you need to go and shout down people's faces and start singing gospel songs at them. But there's a story God's given each one of us that we can invite people into that story, we can share what God's been doing in our lives. It's so easy to feel afraid, but Jesus says to us don't don't be afraid because he's with us because he's already got many people in this city that he's called out for his plans and his purposes now I guess what the the main thrust of what I wanted to say today is as I said we're Going to spend a few more weeks talking about our mission here, what God's called us to. But um, I guess the most the thing I wanted to to say was we need your help, right? We we need your help. We, we need many people to come and join us in this this adventure. Um, we we're called Liberty Church for for a reason, is that we want to bring liberty to this city, because people come from for this city from all over the world, from all over this country. And people come here because this city is famous for one thing, that you can, you can come here and find your freedom, find your liberty. You can, you can do what you want, be what you want. You can come and discover yourself. People come here to pursue their dreams and their visions. Maybe that's why you're here in this city, that there's some kind of dream you had for your life and you've come here to fulfill that dream. You've come here to find your own personal sense of freedom and liberty. But all the time people come to our city searching for that thing and sooner or later discovering that either they can't get it or that when they do achieve that thing they've set their life upon that it doesn't fulfill them, that it doesn't satisfy. So many people in our city are in, are, are in, are in chains really. There's no freedom in their life. There's no joy or liberty in their life. And we believe that comes the only way you get to know true freedom and liberty is in following Jesus Christ, is in knowing him and his love and his grace. And that's why we're called Liberty Church, because we want people all across our city to find the freedom, the liberty, the joy of what it is to know Jesus Christ. And we've come to, to Acts 1, verse 1, what Jesus began to do that's not just the story of Acts, and then Acts 28, that's over. But Jesus is still at work today. And we get to work out what he's begun and continued to do in this city today, what Jesus wants to, to carry on doing. And I'd want to invite you to, to be part of that. And you may be here and think, oh, I, I'm not a Christian, or you know, what, what's this guy talking about? But, you know, I'm sure that you have had that kind of nagging question at some point in your life of what am I here for? What's my purpose, what's my meaning? And it's this, (laughs) it's this to follow Jesus, to go about his mission and his purposes. As we were seeing earlier, that's that's our our vision. (laughs) You are my vision when you have that as your vision for your life, that Jesus, I'm just gonna go where you're going. I'm gonna follow you with everything that I have. It's a wonderful releasing and freeing thing. You'll find such purpose and joy in doing that because it's what, what he's made you for. And it's the it's grand adventure, but it, it will cost you everything, it will. Don't, don't settle for a vision that isn't hard, that isn't costly, that isn't demanding. Because It's not easy following Jesus. In a city like ours, in a time like this, it's not easy. But give yourself to that adventure because it will, it will change your life. And because if you settle for anything else, Jesus, will just, he'll just be like a bolt-on to your life. Like, this is me, this is where I'm going, I do this thing on a Sunday. If that's all Jesus is to you, then that won't fulfill you. You need to rethink your life and think, hold on a second, what am I really living for? Set Jesus is the vision, the purpose of your life and then everything else just becomes a bolt onto that. Because in the end, although it's costly, although you know, we can look at our family and think, oh goodness, we, we threw so much away but in the end, we've lost nothing. When compared to knowing him, to following him, all of that really is just inconsequential. It's nothing compared to what it is to know him, to follow him. You know, and Jesus is our wonderful example that, you know, he, he didn't just give some, but he gave everything for us, for his church, for his bride, for his people. That was the cost he paid. Everything he gave his life for us. It says in, in Ephesians 5, where he's talking to husbands about how we should, how we should love, our, love our wives, it says, it says this, if I can find the verse. It says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. And that's how all of us, to serve his church, to serve Jesus' mission, is to give everything for that purpose, for that goal. That might sound, I hope that does sound a bit scary to you. I hope that makes you go away and think through the consequences of what that means because don't settle for anything less than that. Don't settle for anything less. I was listening to a, a podcast Recently, I'll share this and then we'll finish. I was listening to a podcast of this, of this guy trying to, trying to work out his relationship with Jesus. And a, a pastor friend of his takes him away on this retreat out into the country and they go and spend a day in this log cabin. And this guy's trying to figure out who Jesus is and what that means to him. And this pastor says to him, why don't you, you know, go away and pray and why don't you why don't you write down three, he he gives them three questions, three statements, and says, and then write down, you know, just what what you've got in your heart. He says, write down what you want, what you need, and what you'll surrender. So he writes on this bit of paper, I want, I need, and I surrender. And I want, he writes, and I need, he writes all sorts of things about, you know, I I want happiness, want satisfaction, you know I, I need good relationships i need money i need a purpose all these big kind of deep things start coming out of his heart but then he gets to i surrender and he that's the bit he 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 can't get his head around because he doesn't he doesn't want to surrender to jesus he he, he just wants he, he just wants jesus to, to come and meet all the things that he wants and all the things that he needs but the idea of surrendering his heart to Jesus. He just can't get his head around that. And that's really what Jesus calls us to. By his grace and his love, he calls us as his dear children to follow him. But then to a life of of abandonment of everything else, I'm going to follow him. As I said, that might sound scary, and I hope it does, but it's just the best way to live. And the thing is, it's all by his grace, because we don't, we don't have to, there's not some pilgrimage that we have to go on, some list of activities we need to fulfill. Because of Jesus' love for us, we're called by his grace to know him. We don't have to do any of these things to somehow win his favor or to earn his favor, but in response to what he's done for us, what better way to spend your life than following him, building his church together. Let me pray and then we're going to worship. Jesus, we we, uh, we thank you so much for your grace. And we know now, uh, as those of us that would uh, that follow you and we call ourselves Christians, Father, we, we know now that we're forgiven, that we're free, righteous not because of anything that we've done but because of everything that you've done but in in response to that god we we want to give our lives to you as our as our spiritual sacrifice as our act of worship we want to say all of this is all of this is yours now all of my dreams and desires the things i've hoped for i want to lay them all at your feet and say god have your way have your will. Take those dreams and desires, but let them be things I live for that are soaked in your plans and your purposes. God, we can, the same is true of all these characters in this story in the book of Acts. Is, they're just ordinary people like us, but serving an extraordinary God. So we ask Holy Spirit for your help. Help us to worship you, to follow you, to surrender to you maybe there are things in in your life now that you know you just need to surrender to God you've been clinging on to these things saying that's going to make me happy that I'm going to live for this thing and maybe it's failed you it's let you down and you just to bring that to God and surrender that and say God have your way doesn't mean you have to forget about it and not do it but surrender it to him let him have his way in your heart Why don't we stand to our feet now and the best response really is just to to worship. All of our lives are supposed to be worshiped to him. So just come and worship God. Let him speak to you.